Hello, and welcome to Roy Castle Lung Cancer Foundation's podcast. We support people affected by all forms of lung cancer and work to raise awareness of symptoms to ensure more people are diagnosed earlier. We fund research into early detection and patient experience, as well as providing life-changing support services to people who are living with lung cancer. We're thrilled to be launching our Let's Talk About Lung Cancer podcast. With this and the coming episodes, we hope to educate, inform and encourage more conversations around lung cancer, because the reality is, lung cancer can affect anyone. This is a special edition to mark World Cancer Day. It's introduced by our Director of Prevention, Information and Support Services, Lorraine Dallas. So, let's talk about lung cancer. Hello and welcome to this special edition of our podcast to mark World Cancer Day. We will be exploring progress that's been made in treating lung cancer, achieving earlier detection and improving treatment and quality of life for people living with lung cancer. I'm very grateful to be joined by Jules Fielder, who is living with stage four EGFR positive lung cancer. We also have Ian Visser, who's been successfully treated with surgery following his early diagnosis in 2022. We welcome NHS respiratory registrar and researcher, Dr. Helen Morgan. Thank you all for taking the time to join us. Helen, from, from your experience as a clinician, lung cancer and both how people are diagnosed and what treatment has, is offered is constantly developing and changing. Um, what's your experience been in the last five, 10 years of, of how treatment and diagnosis have changed and how, how does that impact on your job as a clinician sometimes? telling people they have cancer, sometimes exploring treatment options with them? Well, I think the theme for World Cancer Day of Progress is so just apt for lung cancer. I graduated from university from my medical degree in 2013, so we're coming up on a decade, and the messaging, the treatments that we have available for lung cancer are just entirely different to what I was taught as a student. Uh, You know, we have um, thinking about targeted treatments for lung cancer. Those were first available back in 2010, but they weren't sort of part of the medical school curriculum then because they were more rarely used, I suppose. And since I've graduated, it's just a whole different world. I've been uh, doing research with the, um, uh, as a Roy Castle research fellow for, I'm into my third year now. And over that time, treatments have changed. You know, the, um, the NICE, who are the group that recommend treatments for the NHS, have changed their guidance in the time that I've been specifically doing lung cancer research. And I think that just highlights how rapidly and how much how many things are changing. Ian, can I ask you first to tell us a bit about yourself and when you were diagnosed with lung cancer? I'll apologise in advance in case you hear a baby in the background. We're babysitting our grandson, so I'm around my son's house. Um, He's coming up for two, so he's very lively, um, but he should be going to bed in about half an hour for his afternoon nap, so we should be okay. Um, I'm 64 years old and um, I was diagnosed um, on the 11th of May 
in 20, 2022. I had stage two uh, lung cancer, um, non-small cell. The cancer was located in the bottom of my left lung, um, at the back of the lung. Hence, that's why I had no symptoms at all, apart from this annoying cough at times. So I was sent to Oxford uh, for my surgery. The following Monday, I had a phone call to say, don't worry, this is going to move quickly, but we have got, we are going to get you in very quickly. So on the Monday, I got the phone call. On the Thursday, I met with the surgeon in Basin. He came down to Basingstoke and he said, right, not a problem. I'm going to do um, a lobectomy, lower left lung, via vats, so keyhole surgery. Um, so don't worry about it. You'll be fine. So that's the Thursday. The Friday, I was up in Oxford having my pre-assessment. The following Wednesday, the 27th of July, I was admitted and had my surgery. But that was 11 weeks exactly to the day I had my first um, x-ray, chest x-ray. So in 11 weeks, I'd gone through the whole process and was in the hospital waiting for surgery. And I had the surgery on the 27th. On the 29th, exactly 48 hours after I came round from the surgery, I walked out the door of the hospital discharged. Um, and they could not believe that I'd gone through major surgery and Nera was two days later walking out looking healthy as anything. I went through the whole process basically in 11 weeks. Um, so it was a bit scary because it was just like appointment after appointment after appointment. But when you, on reflection, it was, you know, I, I was lucky. I was offered a juvenile chemotherapy. Um, it was entirely up to myself if I wanted it. So it was four rounds uh, across a 12-week cycle or 12-week period. So I had my all my, uh, my chemo. My last round was the 25th of November. So by the 16th of December, I was completely finished. So hopefully I'm still all clear and we'll be moving forward. Jules, can I ask you a bit more about yourself and your experience of diagnosis? Yeah, of course. So um, I was diagnosed in um, November 2021 and I was diagnosed straight away at stage four. Um, so I haven't worked my way to that stage it was there straight away at diagnosis and then um, shortly after receiving um, that uh, diagnosis um, my journey began where um, I soon received uh, my treatment plan which um, was uh, a drug called osaminotrab that was only approved in 2015 um, but so obviously years ago was a trial for someone but for me is the drug that is allowing me to live um, daily and here I am what are we 14 months later. And compared to how you were feeling when you were first diagnosed Jules how do you manage with your treatment and how have you adjusted after being told that you have stage four lung cancer? Um, it definitely takes time and time also means an abundance of knowledge, um, you know, and it's about getting your knowledge from the um, correct channels and places. And I'm going to say it now, that means no Googling. Um, it does come with a... Um, tons of side effects um, which you have to 
learn to live with um, in order, but I embrace my side effects because to me, I look at them in a positive manner now because when my side effects come, which could be lack of appetite, mouth ulcers, upset stomach, I know my medicine's working. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm comfortable now to have them live alongside me. Um, yeah, that's, that's the way I see it. Thanks, Jules. I think that's given us a real sense of how you manage. And it clearly, it's it's not all just easy, but you've adjusted. And although your treatment has an impact, it's not what you think about, what you focus on every day. Would that be fair? Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, so I look at my treatment plan as positively as possible. And I can't paint the journey as um, pretty and beautiful because it is far from it, but it's, um, it's manageable. And I think that is a really strong fat phrase that I uh, love to explain to other people who um, first receive, because I think as well, when you talk lung cancer, um, when I was reflect back to diagnosis stage, I can remember all the thoughts were right, hair loss, um, lose weight. Um, I, I didn't think that there'd be any aspect of freedom to my life anymore. I thought that my treatment plan was gonna be so invasive um, and some treatment plans are for cancer patients, but I thought that in that moment, I thought my identity, I thought felt that everything was gonna be stripped from me but I'm presenting that that is wrong and it's not the case. And we have so advanced so much medically now um, to think though that a stage four cancer patient can go on for years is I think just phenomenal and uh, blows my mind. Can I turn to you, Helen? And Ian and Jules have had very different experiences of diagnosis and have found out they have lung cancer when it's been at different stages. I believe part of your role as a respiratory doctor is in telling people that they have lung cancer. Do you have to explain lung cancer stages and what that means in terms of the kind of treatment that Jules has talked about? As a respiratory registrar, I see people with all kinds of respiratory diagnoses um, who've been referred by their GP or by other hospital specialists to the hospital clinic. In terms of lung cancer specifically, I see people who are right at the start of their journey. So I see people who might have signs and symptoms that are consistent with lung cancer or who perhaps have had a scan of their chest and we've seen something on that that looks suspicious for a lung cancer. I then am part of the team that um, investigates that and arranges additional tests. So whether that's extra scans of the chest um, or taking samples through things like uh, bronchoscopy, EBUS, um, or taking samples of uh, the fluid around the lungs. So I see people in clinic have a chat, meet their family, find out a little bit more about them and then arrange the tests and also perform some of those tests as well to get the diagnosis. I then deliver the diagnosis about whether people have got a lung cancer or whether there's another, another problem which isn't cancer 
to the patient. And then if it is lung cancer, we refer on to colleagues in oncology or surgery for further treatment. As a part of our commitment to helping anyone affected by lung cancer, we have a free lung cancer Ask the Nurse helpline to provide information, advice and support. You may want to know more about a lung cancer diagnosis, a type of treatment or what support is available near you. Whatever your question, we will make time for you and go out of our way to give you the help and support you need. Call us now on 0800 358 7200. Sometimes people don't know the wide range of treatments that might be available to someone with a lung cancer diagnosis. The expectation is that lung cancer doesn't have many treatable options. Um, now, you've already touched on the fact that surgery or um, some kind of chemotherapy might be available. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the, the newer techniques that are for managing someone who's either got early stage lung cancer or a more advanced lung cancer diagnosis? Absolutely. So as you mentioned, treatment for lung cancer has changed quite a lot in the last decade. We have many more treatment options than we used to. And I think that's something that perhaps isn't widely known until you have to have contact with uh, with cancer services. So what happens behind the scenes, the bits that patients don't see, is that we have a meeting at least once a week in hospitals. Most big hospitals have these meetings more than once a week, um, which we call the MDT. And that includes meetings that includes our um, respiratory doctors, which is what I do the radiology doctors, the doctors who look at cells and samples under microscopes. We've got our specialist nurses and we've got our treating doctors as well. And together as a team, we consider each person's case and consider what treatment um, will be best specifically in their case. And then, and that's where we then sort of get into these very many different treatment options. So for people, we generally divide people into whether they have early stage disease or more advanced lung cancer. For those people with early stage, as we've mentioned, there's surgery, but even surgery has changed in recent years. We used to, uh, you know, going back sort of 20 years, used to be a big operation, open up the chest, take out a large portion of lung. And now we do those same operations through uh, a few ports. So you just get, you get a few holes in the side of the chest. Um, and most people are aiming for people to be out of hospital about four days after that operation. So it really is different and sort of current. And then looking forwards, we've got robotic operations, which uh, make those incisions even smaller. Uh, and all of that decreases the amount of time that people need to rehabilitate afterwards. So surgery, constantly advancing our surgical techniques are getting better. But then we've also got this extra treatment for early lung cancer um, called radiotherapy. Mm. So we use radiotherapy in lots of different ways in lung cancer, and we can use it for people with more advanced disease as well. But thinking specifically about that early disease, techniques have been developed over the last, well, I would say about 10, 15 years where we can aim to completely kill the lung cancer um, by giving high doses of radiotherapy to that one specific area. Um, that often involves uh, lots of trips to the hospital or, or several trips to the hospital over, over a few weeks. 
Um, but without an operation, we can aim to completely cure the lung cancer in some cases, which is brilliant. And then the more advanced lung cancer as well, that's sort of the area where we've seen so many different treatments. Um, so traditionally, people sort of think of chemotherapy as something that's going to make you lose your hair, make you very sick. And there are cases where we use more traditional chemotherapy agents. But we've also got these additional drugs called immunotherapy and other targeted treatments, which generally are much better tolerated. They have far fewer side effects. And not just that, they have better outcomes than the traditional chemotherapy in um, lots of cases. So they're better tolerated, they're, but they're also giving better outcomes. People are living longer and feeling better whilst they're during that time as well. Um, yeah, so it's all go, really. There are there are so many treatment options and they're sort of going right back to that MDT. We individualize them for each patient, um, depending on what is what the research suggests is going to be best for them. Ian, does it feel to you like you were diagnosed at a good time to see progress in treatment and to give you optimism for what happens next? Yes, I, I, I think I did. But I think that if we also concentrate or got out there uh, the good stories that people like myself, for instance, um, that have gone through it, have been cured, um, not putting down that, you know, I had major surgery and chemo as well, but to, that have gone through that and come out the other end with a positive attitude that, you know, you can beat this if it's detected early enough. And also with the right attitude as well, which uh, no one can believe that the attitude that I had through it, um, because I'm usually like glass half full. <laughs> That's so true, Ian. And for you, Jules, when you were first diagnosed, I presume, one, it was shocking and surprising, perhaps not. But once you got the information around your EGFR status, the fact that there were treatments available, do you think you too had that journey from what you might have expected, the things you were worried about with hair loss and so on, to, to managing a different set of impacts of your treatment and, and very different treatments perhaps than you were expecting? Um, well, let's just put it as it is. Um, I, at that time, I didn't think I'd be here in February 2023 talking to you guys. Um, and that's the honest answer. Um, the hope that I hold now in my heart um, on all the medical advances, like Helen said earlier, that are constantly, they literally are coming out yearly. And um, it's just it's just fabulous to read um, that there is hope for the future that we one day will be able to control um, the uh, certain lung cancer mutations and make them into um, I like to look at it as a uh, lifelong critical condition rather than feeling like it's a walking death sentence. And that's that's a big adjustment, Jules, and you've, you've been quite honest and quite upfront about the fact that you've had to face the fact that your cancer might mean you're not here for as many years as you would have expected. And you're living with uncertainty, but you're living with the knowledge that the research, the science is continuing to advance. And how do you manage that? Do you do you think ahead about 
what treatment next or do you focus on being well now how, how do you manage that hard tough thing to, to get on with it's the way I see it is um on my cancer journey there's only so much um the treatment plan can do there's a part of you as a cancer patient that has to put let's say some graft in and the way i do that is i keep myself um as healthy um active i keep my mindset positive because i play such a vital role in order to allow my treatment plan to work and if I could give that advice to anyone is I won't do myself any favors whatsoever if I was to um, allow uh, myself to uh, decline a positive approach to this. Um, yeah, that's truly how I manage is um, and I and I try so hard to share that and to help others um, in demonstrating how I live um, because I feel that it could give hope to somebody else. And that hope is really important, Jules, and, uh, and you do that so well. Um, oh, thank you. Doing that with us. And, and Helen, looking at somebody in Jules's situation, she, she might have faced very different treatment and experience three, five years ago. So when you look ahead in terms of how much we know now about lung cancer and the mutations that are relevant for some people in terms of treatment, do you think treatment looking ahead for the next two, three or five years might be very different? I think we'll probably see more of the same. And I mean that in a good way. We've got more um, mutations that we know exist on lung cancer that drug companies are in the process of developing targeted drugs for. So um, that, but that means that there are more people who would be eligible for those treatments. Um, then I think the other thing that's really positive is advancing our knowledge of which patients respond to which drugs. Um, so something particularly uh, that came out, I think, was it last year, we um, had a new license for one of the immunotherapy agents um, to be used in small cell lung cancer. So it was a drug that we'd had around for a number of years, but we've now identified that it can be used in a new group of people. And using these drugs before and after surgery, that's sort of the next frontier that is currently undergoing research. Um, so I think using the drugs that we've got in new ways and then the ongoing background research in the drug companies doing the very clever things finding the new drugs to target more mutations so that more people can be provided with them and jules you talked a bit about the fact that you've made sure that your information sources are reliable ones have your clinical team been important in helping you understand what, what what staging means, what your treatment particularly means? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I replay um, in my mind um, that you with the, the fact you've got technology in the palm of your hands and sometimes obviously your mindset can take you places where you think, oh, I'm just going to go and look at this. I always remember what my team said to me and they said to me, 
let us do the worrying and you do the living. And I replay that message in my head on uh, whenever I need to, whenever I need that little bit of self-indication that I don't need to go off exploring. However, if I do want to um, make myself, I think living with cancer, there's a part of ownership where you need to strengthen your knowledge in order to live with it. And when you get told, EGFR back in the day I was like what on earth is that um it makes me feel um that I've taken control if I have a full understanding but there are the channels to get that information for example in my case Roy Castle Lung Foundation we've got the Ruth Strauss Foundation we've got Macmillan you know you have to go to those channels if you'd like to learn more I know that you've mentioned Jules, the Roy Castle website, Macmillan, and yeah. then um, I'd add to that patient.co.uk, which isn't lung cancer specific, um, but it is good for everything. It's the website that you're allowed to look up your new diagnosis on um, because it's UK information, which means it follows our guidelines and it's accurate. So that's a really useful one for um, sort of any new diagnosis. I recommend patient.co.uk to people. It's full of information. That's interesting because that's the first time I've heard of that um, channel. I've never heard of that one. So um, I know what I will be doing this afternoon. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, have I, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Do you mind me asking, Ian? You seem incredibly well versed in guidelines and outcomes. Where did you go to get your information? Um, I've been to, onto the Roy Castle um, mm. Foundation website, looked at that, and it's just generally been talking to to people. Um, I I to say I tend to not go through the doom and gloom on on Google, um, and I've looked at NHS websites as well. I've tended to only go to the sites because a lot on Google are US medical sites uh, which are completely different to to us here in the uk so i've looked at like say roy castle nhs um and just basically had a look to see what i can find out myself and also spoken to i've got an excellent respiratory nurse um and spoken to her and then when i've been having my treatment i was talking to the uh chemotherapy nurses as well to try and find out as much as i can uh, plus also i work for the nhs as well <laughs> part-time <laughs> we are proud to produce the only lung cancer magazine in the uk inspire each issue features inspirational stories latest lung cancer news medical and research updates and the work being carried out by roy castle lung cancer foundation read the latest issue now at roycastle.org Jules, when you think about somebody else who might have a similar diagnosis to you, whether August 2023 or August 2026, what from your experience would you want to share and how do you feel looking ahead about the optimism and the, the approach to, to treatment? Um, it just be optimistic listen to your team and source information from the right channels um there is a life after diagnosis it is the most important message that i could um give to anybody 
um, keep hope in your heart. Don't ever lose that. And um, new drug trials are coming all the time and we are advancing every day. And one day we will advance to a point where we can make lung cancer a living condition. Um, it is gonna happen. But then I think I'm demonstrating that we're partially there already, um, being 14 months um, after diagnosis, and I'm still um, the same as I was years ago. Nothing, everything's completely stable. Um, yes, that's what I would say. And Helen, do you see people's attitudes and feelings and experience of lung cancer going from perhaps sometimes a very negative place to both being able to cope with what's happening, but also having a, a bit of optimism about the available treatment and the range that they might not have expected and, and the ways that you can help them manage through that? I think the messaging that we give people as doctors and as lung cancer nurses is really important. And as I mentioned before, explaining that it's a life-changing diagnosis rather than a life-ending one and explaining that there are treatments for, you know, nearly everybody. Um, there's such a range of treatments that we can provide now and that we're not just going to say, oh, you've got lung cancer, that's it, wash our hands of you, never see you again. Uh, you're going to have support from, from the lung cancer team, from the various doctors and nurses all the way through. I know, Ian, you've mentioned uh, your lung cancer nurse and my experience is that they are an absolute beacon of hope for so many of our patients. Uh, in terms of having the same person that you can contact yeah. and providing support all the way through where we respiratory doctors pass you over to our colleagues they're still there still the same person providing support and I think reassuring people that you know there are treatments there are treatments that you can have and we're going to be with you throughout this you notice people perhaps becoming more accepting of their potential diagnosis that then when you do hit them with it is cancer they're ready to start on that next phase of the journey and to start on some treatment. I think again Ian, it's that adjusting to the reality of That's it, yeah. either living with the fact that you've had lung cancer had surgery mm -hmm. or for some people living with the fact that their cancer is being controlled but needs yeah. all treatment mm -hmm. and just adjusting to that balance I don't, I don't know Helen if, if that's something you see as being a sign of our progress and something that the patients talk to you about that that mix of acknowledging that the cancer's had an impact but also adjusting and adapting the further from diagnosis they get mm. yes absolutely I, there was I can't remember his name now but there was an American physician who had cancer this was decades ago and he talked about the different phases of um, being diagnosed and then being treated and then eventually getting to being a cancer survivor with the idea being that anybody who had had cancer had either died or was alive and was cancer free and that now we've got this whole new phase 
of people living with cancer and that's something that's new um it's something that's good obviously but adapting to that I think must be very hard uh, to continue living your life as much as you can uh, and having having a wonderful time and spending time with your grandchildren and doing all of the things that you want to do um whilst acknowledging that that you are somebody who has cancer um, and that that's going to play a part of your life that's something that's yeah that's something that's new that's changed since he uh since he wrote his article a few decades ago and people are now there's a group of people who are advocating that we shouldn't ignore his four i think he had four phases his four seasons of cancer but that now we need to add on a fifth um, for those people who are living with cancer. You know, and for Jules, Jules, as you look at this World Cancer Day and the, the idea that we are making inroads to make cancer more treatable, to make living with cancer um, more focused on good quality of living rather than spending your time being treated, what, do, what for you keeps you with that motivation to carry on with your treatment and keeps you hopeful for future treatments? Um, my motivation is um, the fact that we are already there and it's only going to get better. Um, I demonstrate here now that we are there. I am living with stage four cancer every single day and have been for the last 14 months. Now, technically, according to Google, I shouldn't be here, but I am. And that is um, and, it, and it will only get better from now on for um, the future generation and potentially my future. Um, so, yeah, that's that's personally how I how I feel. And I think Helen and Jules, you've covered a really important point that both the advances, the, the research, the evidence gathering is happening across the globe, but also the communication is happening across the world in terms of what's best, how can we manage this best. Um, Helen, in terms of that approach and research, do you think there are some key things that we will be looking at in the next two, three, five years? And what do you think where, where's research going? You know, is it this understanding about these subtypes of cancer and that sort of targeting of treatments to ensure that the people who are given a drug get the most benefit from them? So lung cancer research just feels like it's constantly gaining momentum. Uh, there's forever new things happening. Uh, there's a lot happening with um, early stage disease, but thinking more about advanced disease uh, specifically, I think, yeah, as I've mentioned, the key things are going to be new drugs and how those new drugs compare to the old new drugs, if you see what I mean. Uh, you know, we don't just want a new drug for the sake of it, we want a new drug that provides extra benefits or fewer side effects or, or something additional. Um, and then really figuring out how to utilise these drugs that we've got already in the best way. So those trials, a lot of those trials are ongoing. Um, and it's about really identifying of the people who've had benefit, because Jules mentioned some people who are perhaps were on isomitinib for nine months and then it stopped working, and then other people who've been on it for years and still having benefit. Um, and 
to the best of my knowledge, we're still figuring out exactly those key differences between patients um, so that in the future, we could recommend one drug over another because we know that, oh, this one's going to work better in your group compared to, uh, compared to this alternative drug. So I think getting even more personalised is probably uh, the route that we're going in. We hope you've enjoyed this Let's Talk About Lung Cancer podcast. For even more information on all lung cancer related matters, please visit roycastle.org. We look forward to you joining us next time.